Gentlemen, I am in Fort Myers, Florida. I am covering spring training, and uh, Florida has two economic problems right now. Number one, they are trying to dig out after a, a devastating hurricane. Number two, Lavelle Neal is not here, and the economy has tanked. <laughs> My day's coming. It's coming. Just be patient, Fort Myers. I'll be down there soon. I mean, uh, people are asking Lavelle. They're like, you know, the, the cigar bar, the other bars, the restaurants, the beach. I mean, it's uh, they need you. They, you are the economic recovery plan here. I know. I know. There's workers on furlough right now waiting for the moment that I arrive to uh, prop everything up here. So uh, March, mid-March would be my arrival uh, time. So um, just keep the don't do too much damage to the room at the house. And uh, I look forward to getting down there. <laughs> what uh, Lavelle is to Fort Myers, Roy Smalley is to Zwatnejo. Uh, <laughs> Got that right. They, they they now call me El Jefe down there. El Jefe. There you are. <laughs> I love it. Hey, we're, we're actually going to talk a little baseball now. This is Chin Music. This is our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. You're hearing Roy Smalley and Lavelle Neal from Minnesota, I believe. And I'm uh, Jim Suhan. I'm in Fort Myers. Brandon Morton is our producer. Thank you for listening. Best way to listen. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It's the easiest way to listen. You can also go to talknorth.com, see all of our other shows, see the archives of this shows and all the other shows. And we have a lot of shows. Check it all out. Follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod if Twitter is working for you these days. And we are coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. And uh, thanks to Aquarius, thanks to all of our other sponsors across the network, including TSR Injury Law and Minnesota Propane. So I, I'll start off since I'm down here. Uh, I think every team and every spring training have it has its own vibe. And I think this and spring training is generally a positive upbeat place because nobody's lost a game that means anything yet. I will say this is a, this is a very positive team right now. Uh, Correa, uh, we're talking here on Friday morning, Correa just arrived. Uh, every player I've talked to has not only been like, you know, cheerful and upbeat and positive, but also optimistic about this team. Um, Royce Lewis, tremendous personality, Trevor Lawrence. I, I keep on running to young players who are just very, not only very, pol- they're, they're very polished. I guess that's the best word. Very polished. Uh, it's a good vibe. Derek Falvey uh, has been talking a lot about it. They have a deep team. I don't know if that, what I, you never know how any of that is going to translate into wins and losses. But there is a sense here they're going to they're going to find a way to stay healthier and that their talent is going to show out. Uh, Roy, you know you you played obviously you played the game you were in the many spring trainings. Is there ever a correlation between early spring vibes and how a team performs? You know I'm kind of crusty about that. I mean every <laughs> every every team in spring training, you know, sets about you know looking at each other, say, hey, okay, we're going to go win the pennant and you know, there's there are twenty teams that have no chance, no reason to say that. <clears throat> and, and but everybody's optimistic, and uh, that's the what's one of the real fun things about about spring training. Uh, it doesn't translate uh, to, in my opinion, you know, once the the bell rings. But what does translate is a vibe that players can have about. Uh, where their strengths are and where their weaknesses are. And most, you know, 
and and mostly have the have the weaknesses diminished? Have they mitigated some weaknesses? Um, do we have a chance with the people that we have? Do we have, a, to your point, a deep team? And I I think that those things translate. I think uh, not just polish, but you know, the young kids. But you know, that just one of the things about polish is if they've got confidence, then it's a quiet happy confidence, not a, you know, not a bluster. Uh, there's plenty of, vet- there are plenty of veterans there. I think, I think that vibe, the fact that they, they all look around at each, at the team and say, yeah, I mean, I don't, why not? You know, why not? Let's go. So um, performances don't count in spring training. The overall, you know, the overall attitude uh, doesn't, uh, or vibe doesn't really translate unless it's the right I guess what I'm saying is the the right kind of uh, the right kind of vibe, and it sounds like maybe that's happening. Yeah, and Lavelle, you and I have covered a million uh, Twins spring trainings, and mm-hmm. we have both have also been in positions where people will pull us, you know, will tell us off the record or in a casual conversation. Oh man, it's going to be a rough year. I mean, you know, yeah. baseball baseball players tend to be realistic. There are years where Terry Ryan would tell me, "Hey, we ain't winning this year. We're just trying to get things set up." Uh, but what is your experience in that regard? Do you, do you have you gotten a sense in former springs of what a team might be like? Oh, I mean, there were times where people in public relations would be, "Hey, take it easy <laughs> on us this year. <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna be a long year." So that always happens, man. Um, yeah, sometimes you you, you get the uh, the unvarnished uh, opinions uh, in spring because the wins and losses was not stacked up yet. So even if somebody says we're going to struggle. There's always hope that maybe they're not as bad as they, they think they may be. So you definitely hear that. I was going to uh, take this in another direction because it yeah. is uh, reporting week. And uh, like Jim's covered over 20 spring trainings. I've covered over 20 spring trainings. I'm close to Royce, 30 now. Royce, Royce Wally's probably played and appeared in almost 20 spring trainings or more than that. I want, I want to hear like interesting stories about people making grand entrances and reporting to camp and just being loud and, and, and kind of busting up the, the clubhouse. Cause I still remember the days where Eddie Gradado would show up for spring training and he would stand at one end of the, of the, uh, of the, of the clubhouse of Fort Myers and take his equipment bag and sling it halfway down the clubhouse. It would land with a thud in the middle of the clubhouse. And then he would just scream, unpack my shit. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know that we're going to see the likes of Eddie Gordado ever again. I don't know if we're going to see. I mean, there are a lot of, there, I guess there are still characters in the game. I don't know if we're going to see Eddie again. I agree. I agree. And there's a, there's, you know, cause Eddie's one of a kind. And that, that was back in the day, you know, when nothing was sacred with those guys, with Eddie and LaTroy and, and Corey Koskin and uh, putting peanut butter and David Ortiz's underwear and, and everything. There was, there was nothing sacred with that group. Um, I also remember the year that Tony Batista, played with the twins they signed him as a free agent and we're all trying to get interviews done and it's like 7 45 in the morning you know and all of a sudden we hear this voice at the end of the clubhouse i am tony badista i am from the dominican republic i'm here to save baseball <laughs> and that's how he entered the clubhouse you're reminding me of uh there was i i don't know if i won't sell the guy out there was a, a player from the dominican in who played for the twins for a couple of years and he would do interviews every spring about, uh, you know, just about how much he, you know, it was money he sent home, what percent of his paycheck he was sending home to support his family, the Dominican, and 
you know, all that. And what we, we learned, the twins and the writers end up learning was he wasn't telling people in the Dominican Republic how much money he was actually making. So he was, he was using the media to, to send the message home that he was sending a lot of his money home. He wasn't sending that much of his money home. <laughs> Baseball's so weird. So in terms of grand entrances, we've only really had one grand entrance so far. And that was Correa showing up this morning. And, you know, it wasn't like Batista or Guerrero. He's a polite guy. But, but uh, that, was, that was the moment it, it, it felt like, okay, you know, stuff is starting now. These pitchers and catchers throwing the ball around is nice, but it, it doesn't really grab your attention much. Uh, you know, Correa showing up, it, it felt real. I'll, I'll also say this. You know, you go, know, ahead, Jim, go ahead, Roy. Well, I was just going to say that that's such a great point because – and especially when I was going to all those uh, spring trainings, you know, the players weren't living down at the spring training site so much as as they are now. And um, weren't you know there weren't that many guys reporting with the pitchers and catchers. I used to I, I used to go down and say, get out of cold weather and start running around, but not everybody showed up. And and uh, on all the teams, I, I, the spring trainings I had, you know, Twins and, and Yankees, when the studs showed up, you know, just walked in, it wasn't like Herbeck made a big, you know, big deal. You know, Puckett, it, Puck made a racket. You yeah. know, Puckett was, uh, was walking in for the, first, for the first time. But, you know, uh, Herbeck, not loud. Gaetti, not loud. It was just, the, you know, the presence. Things were different. Was like, okay, Herbie's here. You know, I mean, and uh, same way in New York, you know, when Winfield walked in, the, you know, walked in, those kinds of things. So you're really right about there are, there are characters, but then there are others. There, there's also the presence of people, and, and that makes a big deal. The other thing I've noticed, uh, you know, I've talked to a bunch of people in the organization, a bunch of players already. And listen, Louis Arise was a popular teammate. People loved him, and they loved him for all the right reasons. I will say nobody's brought up his name. Every, what every baseball conversation I've had has been, and Pablo Lopez looks good. Uh, I, it, as much as people love to rise, they are very happy to have a fully stocked starting rotation. Lopez, uh, just a big, impressive-looking guy. Maeda threw his first uh, bullpen of the spring yesterday on Thursday, and you know, never I never overrate. You know, people throw playing catch early in February, but but he certainly looks healthy and excited about the season. Uh, there are a lot we're gonna when we get into the analysis, we're gonna talk about all the question marks, but they do have a lot of talent in this camp. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. is. There, go ahead, Rory. Well, I was just gonna say they they do, and there's there's a lot of um, you know one of the things that's gonna happen is there'll be some people that are watched you know, closely for um, not even necessarily being depended on to make or break the season. But if they were to achieve form, uh, it things look just every every player that is in that category and achieves some kind of form uh, to be successful is going to be pretty exciting. And, and just on a small note about Maeda, you know, he's, he's had, you know, double arm surgeries and, you know, all this rehab and all this stuff. And he comes out first day and, and hits an 89. Now, 89 mm -hmm. is not going to get it done for him. He, does, he wants to throw harder than that. But first day after all that, 89, that's, you know, that's just one of those little stepping stones. And, and uh, there are going to be other guys, pitchers and players like that, where you just want to see, 
you don't want to see some <clears throat> some emergence toward uh, toward top form. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Kenta Maeda is at the top of my list of guys that I want to see uh, in camp this year just to see where he's at following surgery. Uh, very intriguing surgery because he had the Tommy John replacement and also had the primary repair, too. So I'm curious to see how what that does to for the elbow going forward. Um, I'm also interested in seeing Alex Kirilov swing the bat um, after two years of having wrist problems. I'm hoping that he's finally... Um, uh, He's uh, distancing himself from that, and so he could show the top end talent that people believe he had when he first broke into the majors. Oh yeah, those are probably the two top guys here, and maybe if uh, they come up with a new pitch for Emilio Pagan, uh, because uh, I was advocating for his dismissal, dismissal last during the off season, but he's back. Um, you know, he does throw hard, but uh, the ball comes, the, but his pitches fly off the bat harder, and. Well, hopefully you can find a way for him to be a little more effective uh, coming out of bullpen because he could be a huge asset if he can get uh, calibrated this year. So, and I know it's hard to really get uh, a true picture of what a player is going to do once the regular season starts because spring training can be deceiving because you may be working on one pitch or you may be working on something with your swing and you're not going to really show your A game until opening day. But I think you want to see evidence that players are healthy one and two that they're showing some of their old ability i let's hope get into a couple pagan, of oh, go ahead, Roy. I, I hope pagan throws 300 split finger change-ups the spring training when speaking of you're going to be working on one pitch i really really hope that uh, he figures out that he can be eminently successful being a fastball splitter pitcher out of the bullpen and you know, not not have to worry about you know slider so much, except to you know make a make a great pitch um, to strike somebody out. But I, I what what a ninety five to ninety seven mile an hour fastball, even if it's straight, and, and he hit ninety eight some. Even if it's straight, and even if it's it's not doesn't have great carry on it, that's enough velocity where. Guys, guys want to hit the fastball because it's straight. They want to get on it because he's throwing it hard, and they got to get in a hurry. And they will swing it that uh, split finger if he can throw that, you know, consistently, you know, knee high. So I mean, he'll he'll get a lot of people out, and I and I, I hope he realizes that he ought not run. You know, he ought not you know nibble around. You know, fastball splitter, fastball splitter. He'll, I think he's got a chance. More on that, more on Kirilov and other things I'm seeing down here in spring training. I uh, do want to let you know we are coming from the Aquarius Home Services studio, and here's more about Aquarius Home Services. The holidays are over and we're all dreaming about spring. But at Aquarius Home Services, we know old man winter isn't done with us yet. Remember last year? We had snow in April. That's why at Aquarius, we're offering $98 off any furnace repair. With your safety and comfort as our top priority, we'll treat your home in time with respect. We'll provide options that make sense with upfront no surprise pricing. We're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. And thanks to one of our, our major sponsors across the network, TSR Injury Law. All you need to remember, if you're injured, call 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. Uh, so it's interesting. Uh, I think we all tend to overreact to stuff we hear in the winter because it's just, you know, it, 
it's a headline. It's it's clickbait. It jumps at, out at you. And when I heard that uh, Kirilov still had soreness in his wrist, I thought that's a terrible development for this team. Yep. I will say the first thing I heard down here was Kirilov telling people, ah, feels good. So we'll see. I mean, you never, you know, it's, we got a long way to go here. Uh, wrist injuries and hitters, uh, that that's a danger zone. But the first thing I heard down here was his wrist is fine and that he feels pretty. So, so that, I mean, Kirilov to me is such a swing player. He could be your number three or four hitter and be highly productive and tie the lineup together, or he could be injured or ineffective. And all of a sudden you're looking, you're starting to go down your roster looking for, for a replacement. He, I, I couldn't agree more. And we, and, you know, the three of us and, and uh, Lavelle and I, in particular, last week talked about, you know, about Kirilov and how important he is in terms of how do we feel about the club if he's, if he's healthy and playing first or if he's not. And, uh, you know, to take it a step further, to your point, uh, Jim, I really think as I've seen him when he's healthy uh, and swinging the way he can – I think he's a fifth place hitter in the lineup. I, I I really like him there because he can hit left handers. He uses the whole field, so you've got your three and four guys, and you'll have some guys that's you know on this club that strike out at three and four, and the protection at the five spot and the ability to to get a base hit, not just a home run, which there will be some, but a, you know a single or a double in a key situation with runners on that. The, Either the third and fourth guy, place guys didn't get them in, or the third and fourth place guys are the guys out there on the bases. Um, that fifth spot is traditionally, and I think rightly so, such an important uh, position to have a, a, a really tough out, dangerous hitter uh, in that spot. And I, it doesn't have to be a 40 home run guy. As a matter of fact, I like guys more like uh, Kirilov in the fifth spot, and, and I'm really hoping that that ends up being the case. Lavelle? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, and I think uh, Roy's pretty accurate there about putting him in the fifth hole. Um, he can he could be, be such a key to this offense because um, just his bat-to-ball skills, you know, were, were very high coming out of the minors. And, uh, yeah, hitting lefties, being a tough out, just adding a tough out to that lineup, especially with Arias gone, you know, uh, would, would be a boost to that entire offense, man. And um, now and we've seen some of the numbers in the minors that he put up when things are going good. So, um, uh, you're just hoping that, uh, he's healthy and he can, uh, play a decent first base, you know, cause I still thought he looked a little raw there when, uh, the times he played there. Uh, but, um, I've always, you know, I, I always, when I first saw him in camp with three years ago, I was like, this kid can hit, you know, this kid's got a bat and, uh, we want to see, want to see him play now because, um, yeah, this this could be a year in which the Twins could surprise some people just because uh, the roster is a little bit deeper than it has been in, in years. And he could be a big part of that, that whole package here. You know, Rocco, Rocco hit Luis Arise fourth and fifth. I mean, yep. there, there was a reason for that, and it's exactly what Lavelle's talking about. Arise was the toughest out there is, is in the lineup, and he hit him fifth a lot and fourth sometimes so that when the strikeouts happened ahead of him, you know, Rocco could say, God, I just need, I just need a base hit. I need to get at least one of these runs that we're not getting in. Right. And, and that's why he, he was comfortable and, and actually liked, you know, a rise in, in one of those two spots. And I think Kirilov is not going to hit 330 like a rise is probably, 
but he's going to be a rise like with um, you know a little with with more extra base power than a rise had. And there's there's if the fifth spot if he's healthy and he does what we think he's going to do. There's a lot of runs batted in in that fifth spot in this lineup. Tell you what, uh, as human beings, when you cover a team, when you're around a team, there are just certain people you end up pulling for just because you like them. Uh, Royce Lewis is that guy for me. Had had a couple long conversations with him already. I know he's not going to be ready till midsummer or whenever. But man, what a personality! Uh, just polite, engaging, fun. Uh, you know, a, someone who loves the game. Someone who you know, has delved into the history of the game, wants to know more about the game. Man, I, I really hope that this guy is, is as good as I think he is. He's, this, he's almost like a Puckett or, or, or a Torrey Hunter personality. Well, that's fun to hear about because I just looking at him, you see all that athleticism and, and, uh, and baseball talent, um, where, you know, with his ability to throw, his ability to be able to run the ball down where, you know, wherever, he, wherever he plays. And, and I was just really impressed uh, with when he came up, you know, with his uh, plate uh, skills, just the, just his the the actions that he had in the batter's box. Uh, he didn't look like a guy that was confused. He didn't look like a guy that felt like he was overmatched, and and pressing to catch fastballs or you know whatever. He looked like he knew uh, he 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 went up there looking like Jorge Polanco. You know, looked his or, you know his first. <laughs> First at bats in the big in the big leagues, they say, "Wow, how come this this young kid looks like he's that uh, established?" And I, I felt like, you know, Royce Lewis. That that might be the, you know, the best part about Royce Lewis is his personality. The personality you're talking about, Jim, and the personality that he has about his uh, abilities and the confidence he has, and and the, the, how his head is screwed on straight about you know, temporary failures at the plate or all, or elsewhere. I, I, I just think the kid has the, I, I agree with you. I think the kid has the potential to be the complete package. You know, I, I think it's his personality that helps him make adjustments too. And it, it makes it allows him to be honest with himself about what needs to be done in order to get to the next level. Um, because it's been a process with him ever since he's been drafted. I remember running into a national league central scout about four, four or five years ago. His thing was uh, he's still an athlete trying to play shortstop, and he's got to eventually become a shortstop uh, playing who ha- happens to be an athlete. And I think he has slowly worked in that transition through the years. Um, I also remember his willingness to go out and take fly balls and you know and do some other things. It was about uh, four or five, three, four or five years ago in spring training. Lewis is out in center field shagging fly balls before camp starts. You know, one of those pre-camp workouts. And uh, Tory Hunter it had to be six years ago then. Tory Hunter on his return to the Twins, he's out there going, "What are you doing? Get out of center field. They may leave you out there." You know, because he looked so smooth and comfortable doing it. And as now that we, now as it turned out, he ended up playing center field in the majors. You know, I may have to play some sort of outfield going forward. Um, he, you know, the issue with him was the high leg kick, and he, you know, by the time he got to AAA, it slowly, you know, got rid of the high leg kick to the point where. When we saw him debut last year, I didn't think it was that big of an issue anymore. Um, so um, he has learned as he has uh, moved up the ladder and he has kind of, you know, smoothed out the rough parts of his game. And you just want to see him take that next step and uh, and prove that he could be a consistent performer. And I guess, you know, what the two weeks that he was in the majors was a tease to all of us because we saw him hold, hold his own at the plate 
and you start you know looking forward to having him being uh, a daily threat uh, in the batting order uh, before he tore up his knee again, which was really unfortunate. So um, as he seems like he's a kid, type of kid has the right mentality to know how to make the right adjustments or to work on making adjustments until something clicks. And, you know, to get him through a second straight year having a, to rehab a knee. So um, good for him, good for his parents. I still also laugh at the days where, you know, twin scouts used to go to the restaurant that uh, Lewis's yep. father worked at, and they did not know that his son played baseball. You know, yep. Royce's dad was a sommelier at a really nice restaurant, I guess, in Newport Beach. And he used Morton's. to go eat there. Yeah. And they, and they, said, they said, we didn't know his son played ball. And then, yep. uh, next thing you know, he, it's not just a ball player, but a really good ball player. Yes. Uh, hey, w- uh, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about this team and spring training and baseball and everything for the next few weeks. I do want to uh, honor Mike Radcliffe, longtime twin scout, twins executive, uh, one of the smartest, hardest working, most down to earth people I've ever come across. Uh, and the, the twins, all the twins brass flew to Kansas City or near Kansas City to his hometown uh, to. Uh, to go to his funeral on Wednesday, I believe it was. And, uh, and Terry Ryan told some great stories. Uh, you know, Thad Levine and Sean Harlan told some great stories about Mike. But, you know, Roy, I don't even know how well you knew Mike, but Roy, but Lavelle and I got to know Mike well. And, uh, you know, from the day I started covering the team in 93, he just was one of those people you wanted to know. And he was one of those people who everybody knew and told not only had fond words for, but had great stories about, and, and he's also a reminder of the way the twins used to grind their people, uh, sometimes voluntarily, sometimes not. I mean, the man, somebody was telling me today that Mike Radcliffe once spent 300 days out of 300, uh, 365 day year on the road scouting. And sometimes it was catching a connecting flight to rent a car, to drive three hours to a small town and, you know, in godforsaken texas to see a guy throw like get to it bats you know i mean it's the scouting life is crazy and mike epitomized that so lavelle why don't you go first just any thoughts on mike man yeah um what a career what a great what a great scouting mind um you know you talked about the travel and his willingness to uh be on the road as much as possible in order to see as many players you don't you do not have an encyclopedic uh baseball mind when it comes to remembering players unless you do things like that. And that was the one thing that amazed me about Mike is that you could throw you could mention a player from 26 years ago uh, who ended up being like a fifth round pick. And Mike could uh, just like that, bring up a back, you know, a background check on him, you know, his, I mean, his background on him um, and, and just talking to him about how things have transpired through the past. I never forget, to, uh, you know, the first time he went to go see, you know, Torrey Hunter was, they weren't, they actually weren't, looking at Tory, they were looking at, uh, at one of his teammates and, and, you know, Mike Radcliffe sounds like he was like in love as he talked about Basile Shabazz, the greatest yeah, athlete in the history I remember of Arkansas, baseball, uh, any athlete, football, basketball, baseball. He was it. We all went to go see Basile Shabazz. And there was this other kid playing next to him in the outfield. We're like, who's that? It's Tory Hunter. And that's how Tory got on their radar, you know, and, uh, stories like that, that just, um, uh, that just made him such a special person in baseball. You know, he's in the Scouts Hall of Fame. Um, he was a great resource for me uh, through the years just to ask for background. All right, who's coming out in the draft? Is it strong with pitching, strong with position player? 
uh, it looks like high school bats are going to be in a mess, you know, whatever. You know, you start trying to formulate a game plan and figure out what, who the Twins may draft. But, um, you know, and he fought a tremendous battle with the uh, pancreatic cancer. Uh, he about it looked like he had bounced all the way back and was back on a on the on the uh, on the road. I saw him last year at spring training. Um, you know, you know, looked like a guy who had been fighting cancer, but he was still, you know, enjoying being in the ballpark and breaking down players. So it was great to see him then. So, um, you know, he's he's he watch all the baseball games now, and uh, he was an asset to the Twins. He was an asset to baseball, and I wish his family the best going forward. Yeah, well, I, you know I have well? nothing. I I don't have anything uh, to add to because uh, of how well the two of you have have uh, spoken about what a what a guy uh, he was. I I would just say um, everything that I mean. I didn't know him as well as you, but my impressions and what I've heard uh, are exactly what you all have enumerated. I, I'll just say that. You know, Mike was a special baseball man and a special man. And because of Mike's uh, incredible schedule that he kept and insisted on, uh, because modern, uh, like Falvey and Levine were like, Mike, we don't want you killing yourself. Bad phrase. Uh, Brandy might want to remove that. Uh, Mike, we don't want you out there just, you know, going nuts, uh, doing these, you know, the extra work that you feel obligated to do that really doesn't pay off much. Um and but Mike just he just couldn't help himself. He felt like he needed to see every player with it with his own eyes, you know, everywhere. And uh, so the uh, everybody, all these people, either current Twins brass or people with Twins connections, including Terry Ryan and Bill Smith, are in Lee Summit, uh, you know, to do, for the funeral. And they all felt like uh, they were paying homage to Mike Thursday, the day after the funeral, when they all had to get out of Kansas City. And they all ended up having flights delayed by two or three hours, misconnections. <laughs> they all they all had like 15-hour travel days. They're like, that's that's paying homage to Mike Ratliff because Mike Ratliff spent, you know, half of his life uh, dealing with travel problems, you know? So, uh, but uh, yeah, Ratliff's the best. Uh, and, and uh, you know, my, my condolences to everyone who knew him. All right, so next week we'll get more into what's happening in Fort Myers, roster developments. We'll talk about who might be the team's ace uh, or the cleanup hitter. For today, uh, thank you to Roy. Thanks to Lavelle. Thanks to Brandon Morton. Thank you to Aquarius Home Services, and we will talk to you next week.